You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 47. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Okay, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I am Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Great to be with you again. And it's good to be back, Chris. And today we've got a, a topic that you wanted to, to share, with our, share with our listeners, and it's related to this quote from Billy Graham. The greatest surprise in life to me is the brevity of life. The brevity of life itself. Yes. Well, that, that touches right on what I'm talking about. I don't know where it came from, but over the last couple of weeks in my head has been this um, lot of reflections about transience um, or the temporaneity of things. Uh, it's not a completely new thought. I've, I've gone over uh, out of the book of Proverbs and Song of, uh, and uh, Ecclesiastes uh, the, the whole business about life being vain and all is vanity and vexation of spirit and nothing is nothing lasts but this sort of, tr- of temper and need has really been strong in my head so okay you're going to have to just define what you mean by transience because because in psychology isn't transience the idea that your memory Listen, decreases as you get older you're too well educated let's just come here yeah i'm so, talking <laughs> so what did you say <laughs> i'm talking about the fact that uh the things around us and the things that we're involved in have a much greater um, temporaneity or, or have a greater temporary nature than we often credit them for. Um, You're talking about the chocolate in the pantry? Well, well maybe at your home, yes. Um, I, I, let me give you a Bible verse, just, just, be, okay. just so, so you don't annoy me with all your silly comments here. Let me just go on and give you this serious note here out of uh, Psalm 49, verse 11. Mm-hmm. And it says, Their inward thought is that their houses will continue forever, and their dwelling places will be to all generations, and they call their lands after their own names. Now, that um, kind of thinking that, that, that where I am and what I'm doing will have lasting effect is the very thing that I'm addressing. Because that's the way, I guess, I used to always think. It's the way we, we tend to think that what we're doing, what we're achieving has some sort of lasting permanence about it. Hmm. And yet it was John the Baptist, his first message was basically, all flesh is grass. We're going to blossom for a while, then we're going to just fry in the sun and we'll be gone. And so there's this clash of the natural human tendency to want things to be permanent and the reality that God has revealed through King Solomon and through others that life itself is actually much more temporary or involving far more temporary things. Now, I know that doesn't sound necessarily exciting, but I think it's a profound thought. And I want to tease it out with you if you let me do that today. For we are only of yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are as a shadow. Goodness me. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> from you got a quote for that one? From Job. Job. There you go. Well, now, here's, here's my thinking. When I was growing up as a boy or whatever, there was this strange idea that settled in my head that whatever existed in town when I grew up, uh, if I looked out the window as a 10-year-old and saw town, that was town. Hmm. That, that was what was. And that, therefore, that was what was going to be. I had no idea that some of those buildings weren't there five years earlier. Hmm. I had no idea that some of those buildings would be gone within three to five years from then. Yeah. Uh, but in my head, everything was locked in. That was, that was the permanent real world, you know. Yep. Um, and and the, what I thought was the perfect style of car back then was the one my dad had because, you know, my dad was going to drive the best kind of car, I'm sure. Um, and so now you look at that car and it's a joke, you know, it would turn up in a car show somewhere or as a 
bit of a collector's item because it's so out of date and, and it's, it didn't represent the, the, the pinnacle of, of vehicle design. It was just another passing moment in a progression that just is continuing. They added a fourth time. wheel. <laughs> now, listen, I'm, going to, I'm covering a serious <laughs> subject here. Don't, don't, don't mess me up. So there's this sense, and this is what I picked up then out of Psalms, the people name their lands after their own name and they feel like their houses will be permanent, but they won't. Uh, and sometimes, uh, well, here's the example I use. You go down the street and there's a park and the park is named the Harry Jones Park or the Bill Smith Park, whatever. Yep. Um, and no one knows who Harry Jones is or Bill Smith. Just to hope there's no one listening. So <laughs> apologies to all the Harrys and Bills of this world. But what I'm suggesting is at the time, there was a parade and the beating of drums and the blowing of trumpets as they celebrated Bill Smith or Harry Jones or whoever who dedicated that park for the community. But they're long gone. Hmm. The name lingers, but unless you dug out a history book or went through the old records, you wouldn't even know who they were or why. It just passed so quickly. Uh, remember when World War One had been completed, they saw that as the war to end all wars, hmm. but it wasn't. So there was a sense of permanence, a sense of we've anchored something down, but that isn't the case. And probably the most frightening example is the one you'd fully understand. That's the whole technology uh, uh, steamroller that just is sweeping through all the time. I still have a three and a half inch floppy disk. You still have one? And, uh, uh, my first computer was an Atari, and I thought back then they were brilliant things. I think my, my wife's family had a ZX81. A ZX81, Spectrum. whatever that was, yeah. yeah. And so these things that we had back then that we thought were the state of the art are now referred to as the state of the arc. You know, people think... Well, phone power is supposed to double every... I don't know exactly what it is. Someone can correct me every two or three years. You mean the, the, the amount... The, the, the power processing in, power. Power in your phone. Yeah. yeah. And they say that the average person walking around with a mobile phone today has far more power in their hand than they had on an entire destroyer in, the, in World War II, you know, yeah. in terms of computing power and all that capacity. So... That trajectory continues to race along, and for whatever reason, we commit ourselves a wrong by wanting to nail it down every step of the way. We, our head space tells us we're going to have the house in which we'll live for the rest of our life, but we don't stay in it for the rest of our life. Or this is the car that'll make me happy, but three years later, it doesn't suit us anymore. Yeah, we like to we like to anchor ourselves on something which is reasonably, which we think is permanent, provides us with some security, some stability, for which we can then think about all the other things we've got to think about. And particularly, yes, I've got that that thing off my list now. We've got a place to stay, or I've got a I've got a got job. Got to live. I've got, I've got yeah. a job. I've got money coming in. I've got the bills paid. Got a reliable car. Now no. I can worry about the the kids' ballet concert. Something else. Now. Where I'm, I'm finding this whole thought process is helping me, and I, therefore I'm sharing it and hoping it'll help other people, is that I realise I can't indulge that feeling of permanence. I do myself wrong if I give into it and feel like, ah, I've arrived. So Be what's the cost? Oh dear, that's a profound question. I think the cost is... What are the consequences if you... Well, the reality, is, the reality is that change is happening. It was it Alvin Toffler in his book, Future Shock, decades and decades ago, who said that we are in a world of change. And it's only decades and decades ago to young people. <laughs> the, we're in a process of change that's happening so fast that there will come a time when people will be uh, stultified, that they'll basically be numbed 
by the fact that things that they thought they could rely on, so many of them have actually so changed. Can't, can't cope. And they well, they can't cope because they can't actually find a place to put their feet on solid ground anymore because the ground just keeps shifting. Mm. Right? Sounds like they live in New Zealand. <laughs> Friends, in New Zealand, the ground tremors regularly for yeah, those who, that is, who, who don't 6.5 know that. the other day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I, d- d- I'm making it hard for you, aren't I? D- don't tempt me because I'll start telling my New Zealand jokes and they're probably racist. Now, <laughs> the, <laughs> the whole um, point then for, for me, that uh, you say, what's the cost? The cost is that we are not prepared for what's next. We, we live in something of a delusion and I think real men... Real men 24-7 do not live in a fantasy world, a fantasized world. They live in the real world. Mm. And the real world is that the world and the ground around us is changing constantly and that we have to be mature enough and big enough to recognize where we are in that continuum, how to be prepared for the next stage, how to take, bring our wife and our children, the other people that we care for, along with us and protect them in the process of this continuing change. The change is not only happening technologically, it's not only happening in, in terms of where we live, what car we drive and how much money we earn and fashions and those things. It's actually happening as well with social and, and moral standards changing around us as mm-hmm. well. And if we're not careful, we won't know where to anchor ourselves sure. and, and where we actually do find our solid footing mm. as everything around us is whirling and swirling faster and faster. So first step is, Stop deluding yourself that somehow you've arrived and you've found some permanent place. Uh, Susan and I bought a house quite a number of years ago, and she said to me, this is the house that we will have for the rest of our lives. We don't have it now, right? It's not it's not our home anymore. Um, but there was this sense that, that she wanted to um, have that feeling of security, that feeling of bedrock. We've got a place. Yep. It's big enough. We'll be able to have the grandchildren come and stay with us here. Yep. This is a home for that purpose. Um, I wouldn't go back and live in that home. Well, we'd make it part of our vision. It fits nicely into our vision of what we see the future being. But I wouldn't go back and live in that home now. You know, I don't want that house. My, my, my personal journey has taken me to another place where I would actually want a different kind of house in a different location. I'd, I'd want to accommodate my grandchildren differently to the way that house made provision for them. So there's a change in me as well as in, in the, the culture around me. And so... It, it, there was a time when people bought a house and built a house or whatever and lived in it for the whole of their lives and handed it over to one of their kids who, who lived in that house for another generation. Yep. But now people are moving house at a rate of knots. I, I think in America they talk about people moving house on average something like every three or four years, which just seems crazy to my way of thinking. Well, and the big one, the big one is jobs, yep. career. I mean, there was a time not that long ago... Um, and probably you can probably remember that we talked to your father Clive is probably right. like that yeah where you know you get a job and assuming that you've got the skills and the character and the company survives you expect to be doing it until you retire mm-hmm. but now it's I don't know what the real number is but it, you know somewhere around about four years you can expect to be moving on and and it used to be the middle age time where maybe there'd be a redundancy and you need to start a career but now people were having to retrain and start new careers in their 20s Mm. and so this transience is not this rate of change that we've got to be able to adapt to we've got to be able to do these transitions in life through change we've got to become really skilled because we can't avoid them so let me suggest then that there are two directions we need to go with this realization that things are temporary one is to live in the reality of where we are 
and where it's going, mm -hmm. instead of living in the fantasy that somehow things won't change. So it's being real. It's not about positive thinking, no, no. about putting a positive spin on things. It's about re being, being realistic, realistic, being honest. Yeah. When I was uh, a young man, one of my best mates, uh, um, my brother was his best man at his wedding. He had this fancy little coupe and it was a two-seater. Well, it was a four-seater, but it was a two-door car. And uh, every time I went in the vehicle, I was always in the back seat and he drove, flogged the thing. He drove it like a maniac and loved this car. And so as soon as he was ready to upgrade to a new car, he got another uh, bigger two-door fancy high-speed vehicle mm. uh, just at the time he was getting married. So a year later, they've got a baby and he's now trying to fold the front seats forward and, and reach in with a bassinet and try and put it on the back seat of the car yeah. to accommodate the baby. And in the end, he was cursing the car, right? But anyone with any brains could have said, if you're getting married and you're planning to have a family, a two-door car isn't going to work for you. But he was living still in his teenage fantasies of the high speed, spin it out on the corner and drive like a maniac. And he wanted a more powerful, bigger car to continue to do that. At yeah. the time, he was getting married and thinking of starting a family. Yeah. He hadn't prepared himself for, for this logical change. Yep. There was a logical progression going to take place, but he was living in some kind of sense of permanence about a temporary stage of his life. Now, we can't afford to do that. So, yeah, okay, we've got a wife, we've got some young children, and, and we've got all these little children who do exactly what we want them to do because we're daddy, and, and, and they're little children, they know they've got to do what daddy says or what mummy says. But hey, that's a stage. That's, that's a phase of life. Yeah. You will have, uh, 15 years later, a bunch of those kids who will be saying, why do I have to do it your way? Why? What's Because they'll be teenagers. They're not going to be saying, oh, yes, dad, whatever you said, dad says, I've got to go to bed, I've got to go to bed. It's, they're not in that same mode anymore. Your family and your home's not in that mode anymore. How well have you prepared when your children are young for that time when your, your children are teenagers? Mm. Or how well have you prepared when they're teenagers for what role you'll be playing when you're a granddaddy or a father-in-law or to, to the sons-in-law sons and daughters-in-law that are coming into the household? These things are only temporary. Yeah. You know? and, and I began to realize in, as I looked at it uh, from a, a real estate investment point of view, right? What's a house? A house is a temporary building. Sure, in England, they've been there for, for what, you know, 800 years or whatever. And there are, there are buildings that, that have lasted for that length of time. But in a place like Australia or America, most uh, uh, countries like that, you'll find that, that a, a building will be bulldozed when it's only 40 years old. It, it's, it's only a temporary dwelling. Yeah. When the people designed it and planned it, there was a sense of permanence about it. But, but just four or five decades later, it's... it's the zoning it's, changes and uh, somebody puts up... People don't want to live in that yeah. kind of house anymore. Sure. We, every, every bedroom has to have an ensuite. There are just different concepts yep. about how we want to live. And so now that, that sense that granddad built this house and then dad lived here and I'm going to live in this place. No, people don't want to do that anymore. And, and you realize, therefore, that all the things we're building around us actually have a sunset clause. They're only just there for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, I made the comment to somebody the, the uh, recently... Uh, about their church that was going really, really well. A lot of people coming and big Sunday school and all that was great. I said, do you realize that this will be a phase? And they were offended. They were sort of like, this is revival. This is God moving. This will be that way forever. Yeah. I said, I can name for you stacks of churches that can go back 50 years and talk about their glory days. It goes through a life cycle. 
And that glory day may have lasted for six years. Hmm. It may have lasted for 12. You get something happening in your company, in your family, in your church, or in your community that goes really well for 20 years, and that's pretty impressive. To have something go well for 20 solid years without it going off course or or waning or tripping over its own shoelaces, that's pretty good. Oh, it's a very it's a very important thing to um, remember in business too. And you know, somebody starts a business, so the visionary they got the right skill sets to get it off the ground and to get it, everybody behind it, get motivated, get the investors in, and uh, and all goes gangbusters. But so often they're not the right person which to take it to the next stage of growth through the um, through the next stage that that follows. You know, if we're not able to to adjust we're not we're not prepared for this it can be devastating when you talk about too you uh, we were having a conversation about property and you realize that that there there are cycles there'll be a point where the ideal time to sell a property and then you wait three more years and it's just the wrong time to sell that property you sell it you could you could really be hurting because you're not going to get good value for something so these cycles take place Mm. but and we are a part of we we live in this transient world and yet we live unconsciously with a sense of I have found something permanent Hmm. I found something permanent a marriage you you find some fine young lady sweet young kid and you're in love and there's a sense of this will never change but just look around you and tell me how many people have been married for 25 years still have the same giddy feelings they had in the first year of going out together Uh, there, there is a change that takes place in that relationship bringing children into the home financial pressures just having to put up with each other and see the realities of who we are and then working out what skill set we have to actually cope with all of that, ourselves and them, um, all of that causes change. And if we are smart, if we're real men, we'll recognize that. And our our objective will be not just to recognize the transients, but to recognize we need a skill set that's transferable to keep moving through each of those changes. So, for instance, character. Okay, so I was going to ask you. So, what is that skill set? Well, how do we how do we prepare ourselves to be better managers of change? I think reality just just to keep your eyes open and recognize what's real. Don't live in your own little delusions. That I think real men can't do that. But secondly, we've really got to have character. We've got to have godly character, and we may have to get God to help us get that. Be supported by by godly people who will uphold us in in having that our word is our word, that, 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 that what we've committed to do, we will, we will do, that we, we can see a task through to its end. So the sort of character skills. Obviously, I, I personally feel like the set of skills people need are communication skills, the ability to actually speak and relate to people, people that they like and people they don't like. And then in, in the right context, to actually be able to be honest and to be able to share your own needs because you want someone to help you, or to be able to share encouragement at a deep level for people who need it. You actually become useful for yourself and for others when you can communicate openly and intelligently, which doesn't mean you tell anybody and everybody exactly what you feel in your gut because that's inappropriate and people will exploit that. But good communication skills. Obviously, good personal administration. Now, that doesn't come easy for a lot of people, but the ability to actually manage your own affairs. You get a young fellow who can't handle... Uh, his money and his wife and family are going to suffer for for the whole of their marriage. He's going to suffer for the whole of his life if he can't simply sit down and keep account of what he's got, what he's doing with it, where it's going and how to make sure he doesn't blow it. So personal management, personal uh, control over your own urges and and impulses when it comes to spending uh, and managing yourself. 
sets of skills like that. Maybe I could put it this, out, this other way. My daughter, I, I have seven children and they're all girls except for six of them. So I have one daughter and she came to me years ago and she said, Daddy, what do you think I should do to prepare myself for my future? Like in terms of courses of study and whatever else. I said, honey, you, you're going to be married to somebody. That's what you desire. You want to be somebody's wife, which means you're going to need the skill set to be a good mother. That's, that's obvious. But you're also then going to find some young man who uh, you will want to help him fulfill his dreams. He may be a Christian minister. He may be a missionary. He may be doing things in that arena. He may be a business person wanting to do things in an, in an entrepreneurial kind of area. He may be a civic leader wanting to be able to get involved in politics or, or council or someplace where he can make some difference. And he's going to be needing a helper, uh, someone who'll be wind in his sails, who has administrative skills, who can look after accounts. Who, and I listed off all the sort of things that you'd want a really good PA to be able to do. And so she set about attending courses and subscribing to different things. Some of them she didn't like uh, so that she could actually develop this fairly universal set of skills, the, the set of skills that can allow her to turn up on a stranger's door and knock on the door and be pleasant and confident and, and, and speak to, to people that she's never met before. The ability to handle herself on the telephone, the ability to write intelligent and articulate material so that whatever um, her uh, teamsmanship with her husband calls her to do it sometime in the future. She has this very broad-based set of skills, as opposed to some girl that says, well, the best thing I can do is sew buttons on your shirt. Um, anything else, you better go and get that help from someone else. I just felt I wanted her to have that broader set of skills. So I would say then to a man who is going to face the future, go into the future with a broader set of skills the broadest set of character, the broadest set of personal strengths, because you don't know what that future is going to throw you. You don't know what curveball is going to come your way. And if you're going to be the panicky type, then you're going to react in a panic. If you're going to be the sulking type, you're going to sulk. If you're going to be the jealous, selfish type, you're going to respond jealously and selfishly. If you're going to be the irresponsible type, you're going to respond irresponsibly. Things are not set in concrete. Things are going to change. You live in a transient world. The permanence that you imagine is not there, even in yourself and in your marriage, in the culture around you. So get ready to be able to manage a, an ongoing change process. Yeah, that's good. It's good advice. And I think uh, just add to that, that um, think ahead and think of what change could be coming and be prepared for it. Realize that we talked a little bit about cycles before. You know, our businesses go through cycles, the churches go through cycles, and you know, our life goes through cycles with the kids and marriage and so forth. And think a little bit ahead as to what cycle, part of the cycle you're in now, and where you might be, what might be happening next, and, and be at least a little bit prepared so that you're just not a, you know, a rabbit in the headlights when, when it changes. About 30 years ago. I had um, a session, I was working with the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, so the, the doctors, and they brought out a, a, a professor out of Canada, and he was uh, sharing with them about life cycles so that they were basically getting the medical profession to recognize themselves that the patients coming to see them were working through a series of life cycles. And therefore, they have, were going to have different health needs that they didn't perceive themselves. Hmm. So that uh, an intelligent GP a uh, good doctor would actually see the, the need that the, the, the patient had, that the patient wasn't alerted to themselves because they were going through change, different stresses, different fears, different whatevers. 
And uh, so I really appreciated being able to work on that project. I guess that's probably informing some of my thinking now, decades later, Mm. as I reflect on that. But what brought it a little bit closer to life to me too was a a personal friend of mine, and he is a doctor, who uh, had gone and indulged buying himself a fancy little bike that when you pedal it actually, an electric bike, it actually helps you. You can't just use it like a a motorized bike. You've actually got to be pedaling or the the motor won't work. So it's kind of a, a hybridized uh, exercise so, bike. So it's like it's it's like enhanced pedaling. Enhanced exactly because he said you get to the bottom power of the, adjusted pedaling. You get to the bottom of the hill and you look up and think I couldn't pedal up there but you start pedaling and then the motor kicks in and says oh, I can see you need some help. Like power steering but power biking. Yeah. Anyway what happened for okay. him was he loved his bike. Um, he thought it was fantastic. Right. Um, but the bike that he was using and the man's uh, 71 years old. Um, the bike that he was using uh, was a step-through bike. It was built like a woman's push bike frame hmm. without a, a, a bar across the top. Uh, and he decided that he would buy a more powerful one, which he went out and did, but he bought a gentleman's bike with the bar across the top. Hmm. Uh, and he began riding it, but to his surprise, when he'd stopped on the side of a busy road and was just waiting for a chance and saw it and went to throw his leg over the bike, the leg didn't get high enough. Hmm. Uh, and he said to me afterwards, 30 years ago, I would have had no problem throwing my leg over the saddle and, mm. and swinging. He said, I had no, I, it, it took me by surprise mm. that my body wasn't what it used to be. Now, isn't that amazing? It took me by surprise. It shouldn't take us by surprise. This is that sense of permanence. I've always been fit and healthy. I can do it. And then he came to a stage where he could no longer do it, but he didn't realize that until he fell over and broke his wrist, right? And ended up with a back injury as well, just from jarring himself, falling over beside this stupid bike. Now he's somewhat remedied since then and he's he's improving. And he went and and bought a bike uh, with a a women's bike frame, a step-through bike. He said, well, I, I like the powered bikes and I like the power of this particular brand, but I've gone and bought the bike that I step through instead of throwing my leg because I realise I am 71 years old and I'm not able to do what I used to be able to do. So all this talk of of change and the brevity of life and you know life is but a, a wind that blows through and never to return. Um, it's all it's all bit bit demoralising until you think of what's what actually is permanent. Let those who th- thoughtfully consider the brevity of life remember the length of eternity yes ken and if you think about this too um if we are going to prepare for the temporariness of life then three score years and ten or 90 years or 140 years whatever we get on the planet is in itself temporary and we step out of that into eternity and so part of our whole life preparation is in fact to be prepared for that wonderful promotion and look forward to the day when, because of our faith in Christ, we step into uh, God's presence for eternity and enjoy blessings that this world could never comprehend. So there's something to be looked forward to. However, whilst we are here, we're good, we have to be good stewards of the body, the life, the time that we've been given. And living in the fantasy world that everything is the way it is and won't change is just delusional. We actually need to stop and wake up and say, no, my life is filled with transience. There's a lot of temporality about it, but that's the deal. And I want to be alive in the moment all the way through that process. I want to be the best dad to my little kids. I want to be the best husband to my wife while she's young and, and we're delighting in life. I want to be the best wife I can be to my wife when I, when I have to help her as a little old lady across the street. I fulfill my, my 
scout vow to help a little old lady who turns out to be my wife. Um, to be in the moment all the way through that process, uh, living in that moment and recognizing it for what it is. Otherwise, I think what we will do, we will, as Alvin Toffler talked about, come into a state of shock. And let me give you an example of that. My parents, when they were elderly, um, came down to visit us in Melbourne. And in Melbourne, the, the, they use uh, trams on, on rail tracks running through the middle of the street, which we all enjoy here in Melbourne. But having lived in Sydney and other parts of Australia, but yeah. And you were uh, yeah, stuck on the tracks. That is a risk. They'd never encountered it. When they came down to Melbourne and drove on a day where there'd been a light shower of rain, the car kept slipping when they got their tyres onto the, the, the metal tracks mm-hmm. that were in the middle of the road. And it scared the heck out of them. They were just terrified. They reacted in shock. It was different. It was new. It was not the world that they liked. It's not the world. That they, and, and they just simply said, we're not coming to Melbourne again, or at least we're not going to drive in the city ever mm. again. Mm. Now, that's a, a cameo of what we can all do as the world changes around us. We can actually vow ourselves off all sorts of life challenges and, and crimp our life back because we can't cope with the difference. We can't cope with the realities that we don't want to face. We want to live in the delusion of of what we used to be able to do, the hero in our own imagination, instead of living as a living hero in the now, as we are in the present set of circumstances. I sound like like a preacher. You do. I still live in the the days when I used to be able to play play, play soccer as a (laughs) 20-year-old. still think I can do the same thing. You're delusional, brother. (laughs) That's right. Earlier in this year, I tried to do something flat on my face and Mm -hmm. the nose was in the dirt. So, yeah. And, okay, so just to close off then, what what are two or three benefits? What are a couple of upsides of living in the moment? I think when we live in the moment, we are actually able to enjoy the life God gave us. We can enjoy the children God gave us, the health, the reality, the personality, our own circumstances that God's given to us. Mm-hmm. We can enjoy the children, the job, the, 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 the scenario in which we live for what it is. And I think one of the difficulties that we can face, even in our relationships with others, is if we imagine that our 18-year-old is still a five-year-old, because in our head we've still sort of stuck in some kind of a time warp, he will resent that or mm. she will resent that. Yep. But when we live in the moment and we're able to go to our 18-year-old and treat them for where they are at from where we are at, we build the real-life relationship that, that, that is in the now and they feel wonderfully appreciated. They can respect us for being who we are. But if we're always talking about the glory days, oh, when and when I used to be, then we're living in this fantasy past. They can't relate to that because they know that's not where we are now. And they'll feel a loss. And, and we may or may not realize it, but we will lose the relationship that could be there. Living in the now, in every one of our um, moments around us, work, uh, religion, faith, our husband, wife, with our children, with our community, with our extended family, with our culture and society. Living in the now allows us to be who we are to confront this reality. But if we still are stuck in where we pitched ourselves five years ago or 25 years ago, then we're not really in the present. We're, we're actually living in la-la land without realizing it. And so one of the real benefits is we actually get to harvest and enjoy this life for what it is right now and we're able to see the opportunities if we're living in the past we're not going to see the opportunities that present themselves now you're yep. not going to have the growth to be able to 
adapt and be able to seize the day now. And any entrepreneur that goes out to try and build a business on the concepts that were operating 10 years ago will fail. Yeah, I'm, I might go out and build a, um, a smaller floppy disk. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and not going to work. You have to recognize, not just recognize where you are, but even where that, tra- if you want to be an entrepreneur, where's the trajectory going? Where, where, what are people going to do? Mm. My, my, one of my sons became really expert at building databases. And one day I was having a conversation with him. He said, Dad, people in the end aren't even going to buy databases. They're just simply going to hire them, use them online. And I thought, that's a pox upon such an idea, but that's what people do now. Mm. Most of the software people use is is is, is used remotely through on, on, on the cloud. Um, and so a lot of stuff that we used to buy and jealously put on our hard drive, we don't do that anymore. There's just a complete change of dynamic. And so what's, what's, what's going to be in 10 years from now or 15 or 20? If you're an entrepreneur, you've got to be on that wave, on that curve, not living where things were before. Yeah, and, um, and if you've got some ideas, let us know so we can invest in them before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so well chris this has been this has been fun thanks for uh it's been a bit philosophical so no, it's been a bit philosophical it's been difficult because you wanted to keep interrupting me as well <laughs> <laughs> so but i hope you can take some concrete things out of this and think about what are the things in your life which you have anchored to which aren't really permanent at all and and what potential damage can that do if you keep that mindset and get into the now guys you know look if you're fat bald and ugly then just stop pretending that you're an 18 year old football hero and just enjoy being i enjoy being fat boring (laughs) you're not bald yet (laughs) not bald yet um i'm gray just enjoy being who you are god made you who you are just just stop you don't need to live in a fantasy you can enjoy being who you are Hmm. and that the people around you your children your spouse your, your extended family your work associates they're wanting to connect with you as a real person. So mm. there's no harm. There's no danger in being real. Hey, if you live in a fantasy land, they're not fooled. They can see you for who you are. So why live in a delusion? Just enjoy being who you are. Connect with the people around you. Connect with the world in which you live for what it is and find God's grace and blessing and calling for you in this moment and be blessed in it. Right. Well, I think you've had the final word, Chris. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for sharing that. Don't forget, come over and find the notes on realmen247.org. Tell your friends, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.